0: From creator Frank Mueller comes the comic series, The Devil You Know. One late night, Graydon Cross comes home to find his family slaughtered and Satan himself standing before him. Fueled with rage, he rushes towards Satan, but is struck down before he gets to have his revenge. Upon his death, God appears before Graydon and gives him a choice.
1: Graydon Cross, I am God. Your family and yourself were murdered by Satan. You may choose heaven, hell, or revenge. I'll send you to hell with powers I've given you to kill Satan. But if you kill Satan, you must become him. Do we have a
0: deal? Deal. His desire for revenge too strong to ignore, Graydon agrees to God's terms and descends to hell on a mission to assassinate the devil and avenge his family. Upon finding himself in hell, Graydon must battle his way through an army of demons all the while discovering the limitations of his new powers. The Devil You Know, written by Frank Mueller, available on Comixology and AcesAndEightsPress.com.
1: You're listening to the Canned Air Podcast, your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. Never mind that! Lord said the true Emperor has returned!
0: to another episode of candair a tribute to comics and pop culture. I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. We've got a very special episode for you this week. We were joined by Robert Axelrod, and he did the voices of Finster and Lord Zed from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, he was a heck of a lot of fun to talk to, had a lot of great stories to tell us. So we're going to cut over to that here in one second, but uh, before we do, there's some... Very sad news we wanted to mention I'm sure everyone's probably heard by now But uh, the actor Christopher Lee Died at the age of 93 uh, From respiratory problems and heart failure Uh, Yeah, died on June 7th And what a catalog he had Yeah It's crazy He's probably most famous known for uh, Playing Count Dracula in uh, the Dracula movie Man with the Golden Gun, he was in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the Hobbit trilogy, and uh, let's not forget Count Dooku in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Weren't there a bunch of other ones you were listing off there for me? Yeah, The Mummy, uh, The
1: Four Musketeers, The Three Musketeers, which those are all back in the 60s and 70s. Dracula, Prince of Darkness, Darkness, Dracula has Risen from the Grave, PM Horror Express, no,
0: Horror Express, I'm sorry. All kinds of stuff. I mean, you said—I mean, his career spanned 70 years, and mm-hmm. you said, what, something like over 300? Over 300 movies he had done. Incredible. Yeah. And that's probably not even counting uh, stage work he did. I th- I think he was a stage actor. I think so, too, yeah. But, um, wow. Yeah, very sad news. He was my favorite Sith. Always was. I don't yeah, know what it was, was about him, but— uh, His lightsaber. His, yes, the saber <laughs> that was curved, yeah. and uh, just his— his, the dignity he carried i don't know he mm-hmm. was very cool so christopher lee thank you for uh, all the entertainment you've given us over the past 70 some years that we are going to miss you greatly all right now without any further ado let's just cut right over to our interview with robert axelrod We are honored to welcome to the show today a voice and screen actor who over the past 30 years has lent his voice to shows like The Transformers, Robots in Disguise, Spider-Man, and The Beetleborgs as well as several anime titles like Akira, Cowboy Bebop, Digimon, and Robotech. More recently, you may have seen him on Check It Out with Dr. Steve Brule on Adult Swim, playing the character Terry Bruges Hiplo. He's probably best known for voicing the character Finster and Lord Zedd on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Ladies and gentlemen, we give you Robert Axelrod. Thanks for being with us, Robert.
2: Yeah, you bet.
0: I was uh, looking around on uh, Instagram and saw that just yesterday you were at the uh, L.A. Cosplay Con. How was that?
2: Yes, it was all right. They were pretty well organized. It was a little slow. Well, there were a lot of fans there, but... uh... It was a little slow for autographs, but uh, fans were okay. We did a nice panel, uh, all the voiceover actors. There were about I guess, six of us. Yeah, all in one panel.
0: Very cool. I'm sorry I missed that. Oh, that was
2: all right. Yeah.
0: I was uh, It was crazy to get on uh, Internet Movie Database and see everything you've been in. When I was doing my research, I had no yeah. idea how extensive your catalog is. It's crazy. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. I've been doing it since uh, I'm a kid, really. Uh, you,
0: is it right you did some commercials when you were younger?
2: Yeah, yeah. What kind of commercial? I wasn't really serious about it. I, I didn't get serious about acting till 1978 because I was a musician. I left acting as a musician for eight years. No kidding. What did you play? Pretty much uh, electric bass. Wow. wow. I had that no idea. Pretty, yeah, that was pretty much exclusive. I did one play during that eight-year span playing a musician in a play that never got off the ground. and closed after a couple of performances.
0: Wow, so do you uh, keep up with the bass guitar at all?
2: Oh, yeah, I play at home. I had no but idea. I don't, I don't go to play in any working bands because the time commitment is just too, too much.
0: So where did you uh, begin voice acting?
2: I started voice acting in 1980. Uh, I was doing an on-camera show, a children's show, At this independent studio, and in the studio next door, uh, they were doing this uh, cartoon, which turned out to be anime. So I asked the director if I could audition, and she said, "Sure." Uh, It was it was to my advantage that I was working already next door, uh, so I could just walk in and and throw my weight around a little bit. Right. So uh, I auditioned, and I got the job of I got the lead role of Banner the Squirrel. uh, And there were four of us that were hired to do all the voices in the series. We did ten episodes. And uh, that's how I learned to do anime. I learned to do dubbing under very strenuous conditions because uh, uh, we were working on very primitive equipment. So uh, you had to get a a, a lot of the uh, lip sync perfect in one take. You couldn't stop and start like you do on regular equipment that's computerized. This was... uh, Done on like a wallen sack reel to reel. If anybody remembers what a walling sack reel to reel was? It was the precursor of today's uh, cassette tapes and M P threes. Everybody had this walling sack reel to reel tape recorder. Right. Uh, all the kids were buying it. Our parents were buying it for the kids to play with, and it was a reel to reel tape recorder. So you had to stop and start. Uh, it took a long time for the uh, a relatively long time. Like 20 seconds for the voice track to catch up to the picture. So we had to do long chunks of the show perfectly in order to get to a pause point where there was 20 seconds. There was a 20 second break in voice stuff. So it was, uh, we rehearsed in the morning and went on tape in the afternoon. And that's how we worked all 10 episodes.
0: Wow, I guess that would really uh, train you for the rest of your career. Yeah, you so I really to cut my on. teeth
2: on that. Yeah, yeah I really exactly. cut my teeth on that and learned how to lip sync. That's the best way to learn while you're working while you're getting paid for it, too.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree So with you.
2: as it happened in that period of time, around 1980, anime was just really getting started in LA and it blossomed very quickly uh, because the coming of cable TV, they used product real quick to... Still in the hours, especially in children's programming where they didn't, uh, it was too expensive to do an original series so they import series from uh, primarily Japan, anime mm-hmm. series to uh, dub English into, create as, a, as, a, as an American cartoon, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, it makes sense from a business standpoint, I suppose.
2: Oh, so, yeah, yeah, it was cheaper to just dub it, do a, do a different soundtrack and start all over and do new animation.
0: One thing I wanted to ask you uh I've heard yeah. a lot of voice actors say that over the years they develop like uh techniques or routines like when they go in the vocal booth like either they've got to be uh sitting up or you know s- sitting down have their shoes yeah. off you know waving their arms around do you have any routines or techniques that you use when you go in the vocal booth that you help uh, that you think helps your uh, performance Uh not
2: really sometimes I take off my shoes oh, I prefer to sit uh it depends. If the if the if the material requires a lot of energy, I stand. But most of the time, I sit because um, my feet hurt. Oh, I uh, see. Yeah, if I stand too much, yeah, and that's, my attention goes on that, so I'd rather sit than stand, and it's more comfortable. Right. So, uh, got to sit in a position where you still you still your posture is good, so so the breath the breath is flowing from the diaphragm. Those are acting basics, as every actor should know, positioning of the body to breathe correctly and and such.
0: Very cool. So just uh, keeping yourself as comfortable as possible sounds like the
2: the best advice.
0: Very cool. That's like what we do here. Yeah,
3: you're still protecting. Me. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm sitting in my socks and underwear right now. <laughs> no, not really. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, uh, before you got the job working with the Power Rangers, you had actually worked with Saban for 10 years before, right? Is that correct?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. I was a regular over there. So, when they just handed me the old the there, because Lord Zed wasn't invented yet, I said, Great, let's do it. And I thought the show was going to last maybe 20. 20- 21 or 26 episodes, just like many of the others we did. And uh, they'd get that in the can and it would show for one year and then it would go disappear. We had no idea what kind of hit it was going to be. Uh, I don't think Savannah had any idea. So we did the, uh, the pilot episode and we did five episodes right off the bat and they started putting it on the air and it was a big hit. By episode 20, we knew we had a hit on our hands. Oh, yeah. So, uh, We got into the the, uh, studio in a hurry and cranked out some more episodes, so we had a cushion. But uh, the routine mainly you write a script, you hand in the script. Three days later, it's on TV. Wow,
0: that's Uh, crazy.
2: Yeah, that's the kind of way the flow went. Uh, I exaggerated a little bit, you know. I I wrote uh, the, the dubbed dialogue for the show for the first year and a half. Of course, when I would write it, I'd hand it in and it had to be approved by the network. All the network people had to get their two cents in. But uh, most of the time it was approved. Uh, sometimes they think wouldn't change it. That's their privilege, being the, uh, the notebook part. Let them change the dialogue any, if they want. And it would go back into the studio. be dubbed.
0: I had no idea that it... An episode went from notebook to air in like three days. Yeah. That's crazy.
2: Yeah, it could be, could be. Yeah,
0: and that's insane. So,
2: yeah,
0: I take it you know the role of Lord Zed was offered to you when the you know the popularity of the show took off. When uh, when you were coming up with the voice for Lord Zed, where were you pulling inspiration from?
2: Yeah, uh, well, I had to audition for Lord Zed. I wasn't. I was offered it after three auditions. The inspiration for the character was. Uh and I didn't have a picture of the character. To uh, They didn't give me any kind of picture. They just gave me a description. And uh, I figured he'd be big and stately because he's a lord. So uh, he's got to be lordly. I have developed a voice for uh, another show a year before for an audition for another show that I didn't get the job for. But I, it was a great voice. So I said, let me try that voice for, for uh, Lord Zed. Well, it didn't quite work for Lord Zed. It wasn't quite, uh, So I, I I stood up and took the voice and just said, i got to make it deeper somehow. It was for a character called Lumbar Hist in the science fiction uh, project. Uh, I think it was going to be a book on tape uh, called Battlefield Earth, which eventually became a movie. Yeah. Uh, the character that I went up for wasn't in the movie. So... Uh, uh, This Lombar hist was the head of the intergalactic FBI, and he was a mean, evil character. I put him up. I gave him a very hissy voice. And again, you know, I mentioned I am just getting over laryngitis, so I I can't do the voice. So I tried that voice with the Lord's Ed material. I had a paragraph to, to read for the Lord's Ed audition, and it wasn't quite working. It wasn't deep enough. So I took... The voice, which is originating from the nasal track, and moved it down to my diaphragm, and did kept the the rest of the vocal quality the same, and uh, what was up here in the the nose came down to the diaphragm. Oh wow! That worked for Lord Zed. Well, I just did the voice. I guess I could do little bits of it. So uh, (laughs) that became that became the Lord Zed voice, and the rest of it was just vocal interpretation. I made a very broadly sort of Shakespearean. Uh, in speech, because he was a lord. Eventually, any any time the dialogue, the written dialogue was not lordly enough, I would change it. I had the power to rewrite in the studio. They gave oh, me nice. that privilege, which was nice. And uh, because you get a new writer and coming down and writing the dialogue, and most of the time they don't know what they're doing uh, as far as the, the intimate details of the character. Right. Well, they know what they do doing. I had some good dialogue written, but they, they, sometimes miss the intimacies, intimacies of the details of the characters. So I would have to change them around. And uh, many times uh, they would give the lines to the guy who wore the costume, and he would do the lines actually on a on a, what was going to be a guide track, and he spoke the lines way too fast. I don't know what the rush was, but he spoke the lines way too fast <laughs> for Wordshead. So I had to I was given the challenge of getting into all this dialogue. And Wordshead had a lot of expositionary dialogue. He would explain what the episode was gonna be about, which is common in uh, in uh, plays and T V shows and film. I would have one character who's gonna explain what's going on. First we're going to uh, go to the moon and then we'll load up on uh, Putty Monsters and we'll come back and invade Angel Law and all that shit. Uh, that's that's <laughs> the kind of dialogue Lord Zed would have. So uh, the challenge was to get all that, all that in but use some kind of Lord Zed pacing, which was slow and methodical. So we had to edit a lot of the dialogue. So it would fit in a lot of time that Lord Zed had oh, to say And still get the uh, get the information across. So it was quite a challenge that way. We we'd be cutting little words here and there and here and there, so the dialogue would be shortened. We did it. We did it.
0: And you did it very well, I Mm -hmm. must say. I mean, yeah, thank you. You know, as a child, I remember when Lord Zedd came, you know, in season Mm -hmm. two, and how. You know, I th- Rita was always cool. Rita Repulsa. I always enjoyed yeah. her, but she always carried a very uh, like a comedic pitch almost yeah. with yeah. everything she did. When Lord Zed came to town, put all that stuff away. It was time to get down to business. Straight it up was evil. Straight up yeah. evil, right? Yeah. And even with your laryngitis, just a few minutes ago, doing that impression <laughs> yeah. put goosebumps on my. Yeah. Heart. Oh,
3: this
0: is great. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when uh, Lord Zedd did come out, there were a lot of uh, parents complaining uh, that he was too scary, giving their kids nightmares and such, yes. and yeah. over time, the show seemed to somewhat change the character, be less threatening, and he almost himself became somewhat of a comedic sidekick in, around the uh, yeah. Zeo time. How did you feel about uh-huh. the parents' complaints, and uh, what did you feel about the change of the character?
2: Well, I thought it was, it was uh, on the way out at that point. That the character was compromised. Now that would never happen. They'd get those phone calls from parents and they say, Well, too bad. And they'd make them ev- evil, more evil. But at that time, they were <laughs> very much at the mercy of, of parental feedback. Sure. And uh, uh, so they brought back Rita and married off Zed and gave him a love potion and uh, gave Rita a youth serum. And. Away we went, and we were Abbott and Costello there you know, for a while. It never went too far, the comedy. There was always, it always, right. the writers always brought it back to some kind of reality, but it was the beginning of the end, as far as I was concerned.
0: Oh, uh, I can so agree, agree with, with you. you I mean, don't get me wrong, I uh, enjoy the Power Rangers' different in our incarnations, but uh, it was about the time that Zed and Rita were pushed out of their castle that yeah. I kind of tuned out. They were just the yeah. most interesting bad guys. I didn't care for the, yeah. the Mondo character, whatever, the yeah. King Mondo. But Anyway. King Mondo, was actually who
2: replaced me?
0: I think so. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big I robot. I didn't follow
2: the show after I, after I left.
0: Yeah, he was some uh, great big robot that bounced around yeah. his, and uh, I yeah. I didn't like it. It didn't seem the least bit threatening. Coming from Lord Zed, who was yeah. you know, terrifying to this you know, bad guy who looked like a big wind up toy. I mean, I, yeah. I I had to tune out. I remember him. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well they were very afraid of this parental feedback they were getting.
0: Yeah, then wanna bite the hand that feeds, I suppose.
2: Yeah.
0: So what was it like to uh work with the rest of the cast, especially Barbara Goodson?
2: Oh, I loved working with Barbara. We got, we seldom worked together. Uh, they would, 99% of the time, bring us in one at a time and just do our line after line after line after line. I'd do Finster first from beginning to end, and then uh, of the episode, then I'd go back and do Z. And if we were doing two episodes, uh, follow through the same thing. Episode two, they'd get, get the... Uh, the episode on on the machine, and I do fill in and zip. and it was pretty cut and dry. It was not easy to 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 follow what the plot was. I had to ask a lot of questions because I like to know what the hell's going on. I'm not just right. going in and being a robot and peeing my lines. I want I want to know the meaning behind them. Me. Sure. So Scott Page, the, uh, the post production supervisor, was a buddy of mine, so he would he would fill me in on the. Uh, on the clock points that uh, were missing. So I, I seldom worked with other, other actors in the booth. Uh, the One big exception was when we did the soundtrack to the live show. We were all in the booth at the same time, sitting in a circle. With, uh, it was like doing a, a, uh, a cartoon, a voice-first cartoon.
0: That would have been a lot like
2: when of fun. I did Spider-Man, we were all, the whole cast was sitting... In a semicircle uh, around the microphones. And uh, that's the way the show was done. A lot more rewarding because you could see your fellow actors creating right next to you. And right. if you were doing a scene with them, you could actually play with them.
0: It becomes a more personal way, it moment. Was,
2: it, was, it, was, uh, it was fun.
0: It sounds like it. I think it'd be funner doing it that way because you could, like you said, feed off fun, each yeah, other. yeah, of course. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Because you're working with other people and, yep. uh, and such.
0: You probably get to see a lot of the cast that you didn't get to see uh, when you were actually doing the show. Now at the conventions, you seem like you've become very active in the con circuit. Yeah. Do you yeah. Uh, ever get to see like any Finster or Lord Zed cosplayers? I've been very curious about that. Once in
2: a while, there'll be a Lord Zed. Figure. Once I saw a Finster. Finster doesn't get covered too much. I think it's very hard to cosplay for because his manner is. Uh it's a lot of work for a cosplayer to put together a yeah. an outfit, and to put together his head outfit is is a lot of work. That the whole suit on. The yeah. cosplayer has to make the whole suit from from head to toe.
0: My hat would go off to anyone who did yeah. it. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> it was like uh, like that cosplayer that uh, did Zordon for mm-hmm. David J Fielding. That was incredible. Uh, yeah. All right. Cool. Well, anyway, moving a little way as or a little way uh, from the Power Rangers. Yeah. As far as, you know, aside from your voice acting, you've also done screen work and you've uh, yeah. been in movies with the likes of like many great talents that I had no idea about, uh-huh. like Ernest Borgnine, uh, Sammy yes. Davis Jr., Charles Bronson, yeah. John C. Riley. What was it like working with these people? And do you have like any standout moments with anyone in particular?
2: Well,
0: a small guy and I got killed together in a movie. <laughs> no or
2: kidding. Called the big turnaround. He played a priest and I played a, a town. Uh, kind of comic relief in the town. We were killed by the bad guys in the church. So that was, uh, that was exciting.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet uh, he'd uh, be a lot of fun to yeah. to have met.
2: Yeah, he's a lot of fun. He had a lot of stories on the set and he was very professional. He had a lot of lines and he knew them all and, you uh, he was, was a gas working with
0: him. I, I can imagine. Very cool. And
2: Brian, Brian Cranston, who we know is, 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 uh, from, uh, so many great projects is, uh, was also in that movie
0: was he really?
2: yeah he played the hero the good guy hero uh, let's see who else oh, those are the two big names that were in this movie That's I don't know where the movie went when it got released or what have you uh, it was a union movie I think it got tied up in litigation or something for some reason and it hasn't been well no yeah.
0: kidding I, damn, darn okay. I wrote it down I was going to go look it up <laughs> darn
2: well look it up I think it's out uh, I haven't looked it up myself. Of course, I, I saw the movie several times when it came out. But that's a good idea. I think I'm going to look that up. It's called The Big Turnaround.
0: Wow, that's it's funny. It's, now it's you
2: called see- The Big Turnaround, or they might have shortened it to Turnaround.
0: I'll look under both.
2: So look under Big Turnaround first. Yeah. Okay,
0: I definitely will. Did
2: nice. another movie I never, got, uh, never even got finished, we went to Mexico, and uh, Acapulco, we also flew to... Rio de Janeiro. Oh, we were we supposed to go to Rio? We ended up going to I forget where, some other city in uh, Brazil.
0: Oh, they all sound like heaven right now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I played the the lead bad guy. He's all chasing after this this uh, valuable jewel this rich man had. The heroine uh, swallowing the, the diamond, and she, then she gets kidnapped by us and. You want the diamond from her, and she's got to defecate it out.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: of course, they don't show that. <laughs>
0: Thank want
2: goodness. the diamond back.
0: <laughs> no matter what it takes.
2: have got two days to digest it, and have it come out the other side. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: I've got to see these movies, man. Yeah. Now it's funny you brought up Brian Cranston because he also uh, dabbled in the Power Rangers uh, very early on, right?
2: Yes, yes, he did. He did anime with us uh, back in the old days in the early '80s. He was usually played the uh, the uh, male young hero because he had that young voice, and I usually played uh, the scorely bad guy. Yeah, you, you can find him. I don't know if he used his real name for it.
0: Yeah, he did the voice work for a couple of the monsters, and I think he did a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes work, is what I read anyway. I mean, you can never trust what you read on the internet. Uh, One other question I have for you here, and this is really, I guess, maybe kind of obscure. I haven't heard anyone else ask you this yet, but I'm a huge Paul McCartney fan, and I saw that in 1995... You played Paul, uh, Paul McCartney lookalike rather, on uh, yes, Fa- Family yeah. Matters. Can you, right. one, tell me the context of that episode, because I haven't been able to find hide nor hair of it, and, two, what oh, you it did to get into character. Oh, it be around
2: the episode. I get residuals from that episode every so often. Do you really? So I know it's, it's still alive. I forget the name of the episode. But uh, the whole joke was I looked nothing like Paul McCartney. Uh, and it was a TV show. <laughs> That we were on, and uh, there were three guys. It was sort of like uh the concept of the quiz show, quiz TV show, was uh, to find a Paul McCartney look-alike who looked nothing like Paul McCartney. I guess since I played the bass, they uh, they liked that guy, so they cast me in this project. I was bachelor number one. Was I'm going to have to find this. I, I, was, I was chosen. And one of my lines was uh, something, 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 because I look like Paul McCartney. And I look nothing like Paul McCartney. It's a joke. <laughs> so, uh, it's around. The episode is definitely around. Didn't get put in the shit can. So, uh,
0: I occasionally find Family Matters running in syndication. I just yeah. I can never remember where I see it. But I'll, I'll check the DVR, because I've got to see yeah. this episode. I've probably seen it yeah. and not even uh, realized it. Yeah. Now... This is where I first heard of you, Robert, was uh, with your work on Check It Out with Dr. Steve Brule, your work with uh, Tim and Eric. And it was yeah. through researching the cast of that show that I realized you were actually the voice of Lord Zed. And oh. uh, Yeah, we're, we're both big fans of uh, Check It Out with Dr. Steve Brule. It makes yeah. us laugh yeah. like uh, nothing else really does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But and also uh, not too long ago, just this past February, there was a uh, pilot, like a fake pilot episode of a fictional sitcom yeah. created by uh, Steve Brule called Bag Boy. That yeah. was also yeah. hilarious. We
2: just um, did that uh, last summer.
0: Can you tell us about one your character uh, Terry Bruche Hiplo and, and just about the show in general?
2: Well, Bad Boy was like you said it was a uh, it was a pilot with the cast of checking out with Dr. Steve Brule. And Terry Bill Shiplo was playing Terry, the uh, the supermarket security guard. Yes. He was always sleeping on the job. It was a joke. And so most of the shots, I can be seen snoring, sitting in a chair and snoring <laughs> in the background. And I had a couple of lines finally when I woke up. And... Uh,
0: yeah, you couldn't find okay. the bullets in your gun.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Where the bullets in the gun?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now and then on uh, check it out with Dr. Steve Bruhl, You're also known for like doing uh, reviewing movies like Dumpster's Children and I Saw a Dang yeah, Stranger. Doing
2: the news. Yeah. yeah. While, while I was doing the news and uh, part of the news were movie reviews. It's funny. I was I wanted to be a newsman when I was in high school. No uh, kidding. But so I I uh, was did a brilliant project for my high school acting class. I'd put together a seven-minute news program with a commercial break in the middle of 60 seconds. It had to time perfectly. And uh, it was just like, uh, you know, I had to be the producer, the director, and the actor. And I did it in front of the class. We mocked up a fake camera fake and a monitor. I went ahead and did it, the project for the class. And uh, worked out beautifully. The, the teacher actually taped it. That's what I uh, and I used. No, well, I didn't use any of the scripts to because the scripts weren't funny. Uh, in the uh, I wasn't trying to be funny in the in the high school project because right. it was a serious. I got the news news stories that I used out of the newspaper. So I just rewrote what I saw in the newspaper, making certain cuts so the stories had like beginning, middles, and ends. Uh, just like a news story on TV, I did that well, and uh, the teacher gave me an A and praised me for the for my work. So uh, I was all set to become a newsman, and then I sort of dropped it because music was starting to play more and more uh, importance in my life. So I opened up the channel to uh, to music stuff, got a guitar, a bass guitar, and started learning the bass. Had a lot of things uh, things in my head going for me. Right. Uh, I was a very scattered kid. I wanted to do everything. And I did everything well, but I wasn't doing anything super well until I turned 28. And uh, a few things happened in my life to get me more centered. And I got more centered on acting. And uh, I, I I was lucky enough to find an acting teacher who not only taught acting, a great acting technique, but also taught how to get work, which is very important to, uh, for a, an actor to know. Right. How do I go about getting work? That's 80% of the, of the thing right there. What do you do on the phone if you're on the phone with, a, with a, an agent or a casting director? So uh, I, had to, I learned all of that, and that got me, in, uh, I took to it like a duck takes the water. And uh, I started using the techniques the teacher taught me, and I started getting work as an actor uh, and, and keeping contacts I would make. You know, let's say I do an audition and didn't get the job. I wouldn't just say, well, forget that. I'd stay in touch with the people anyway, because who knows, if they like me on one audition, they may call me in for something else.
3: Yeah, good and, thinking.
2: Uh, yeah, something else down the road in six months or a year later. That's happened to me then they start saying, hey, let me, if they like you and they hire you, they start thinking, uh, oh, he'd be good in this role. Let's write this role for him. They start writing roles for you. You get the job without auditioning. You just Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Right. Uh, more often than not, it does. You get the job without, you bypass the whole casting situation and get your name on the dressing room door right away, which is the way to get hired is they just hand you the role. That's. That's the way to do it, um, but it takes going through those initial steps to get there. It's all about making friends in the business.
0: All about who you know.
2: Yeah, who yeah. you know, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's a very natural thing, you know, because uh, people will hire who they know more often than somebody than a stranger.
0: Well, you've really given us and our listeners an education today on uh, yeah. really how to oh, in the right. biz. How did you come to work with Tim and Eric in the first place?
2: Uh, I auditioned for something that they had uh, on, uh, I think it was Actors Access. I don't remember what it was for. I think it was for something with lines. Uh, I went and did that audition and a month later, I heard from them that I had been hired, and I got to the set, and they said, "Okay." They gave me the script. and said, "You're doing this and this and this and this." I did it, and they liked my work, so they kept hiring. We're going to have you back, and they kept hiring me, and I became uh, part of their crew. Uh, the next big thing I did was uh, they had a segment, for a sort of a fake Johnny Carson segment, and I was since I was a bass player, they hired me to be the bass player in the band in the mm-hmm. uh, the show's band, so they actually put together a little band, and we learned. Uh, they sent us a tape with the theme song on it, the, so I learned the theme song on the bass, and we played that and uh, did a good job on that. So I just kept getting more and more on the Tim Eric. and then Doctor Steve Rule was a uh, was a guest on the on that variety show, and that's how Doctor Steve Rule came about. Oh. Uh, I believe, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, and then we branched out and did our own show with Doctor Steve Boo and Terry, uh, and not Terry. Uh, what's the name? Who plays Doctor Steve
0: Oh, uh, John C. Riley.
2: John C. Riley. Yeah.
0: Yes. I really hope uh, more episodes of Bad yeah. Boy one end up getting made. Maybe they won't, but
2: uh... yeah, they will. Or they'll. Do, I'm sure they'll do another uh, uh, episode of. Of John uh, C. Riley doing. I don't know if they'll do another Bag Boy, but they'll do another episode.
0: Uh, oh, of like check it out, you mean?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've been out. hearing uh, rumors yeah, that yeah, season four is in the works.
2: Yeah, I, I think it is. I have to. I'll give them. I'll give them a call and find out what's going on. I call them every so often just to stay in touch.
0: Sure. Well, here's hope, and I can't wait to see yeah. it. Yeah. Now, uh, more so uh, currently, one, I wanted to ask you if you had any news or had any involvement with the uh, new Power Ranger movie that's
2: coming to fruition. Not yet. There's been a lot of rumors about that show, that uh, project. Uh, biggest rumor is that Meryl Streep is going to play Rita. What? what? You hear that? No, no are you that? kidding me? That was a big rumor, the rumor was on the rumor mill about... Uh, well, it's about three weeks ago, a month ago. Holy and she considering, they're considering her, and she's considering it to play Rita Repulsa. She and, would wow. be good. Yeah.
0: I mean, didn't she play, uh, like, an evil queen in, <laughs> well, like, a Snow White movie or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was really good uh, doing that.
2: If they do that, I mean, the sky's the limit on who they they choose to play Lord Zed, The Rock. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, if they're going to change Rita's voice, I, I don't think they'd, they'd hire Meryl Streep to do the part and dub her voice with somebody else.
0: Oh, that's yeah. a good point. I yeah, don't I didn't think, think
2: they it. would do that with an Oscar-winning actress.
0: <laughs> no, probably not.
2: Calibre. But with Zedd, since he's got a hockey mask on you can't see his mouth move, they could do anything.
0: Yeah, they really could.
2: Uh, they, could uh, they could hire... A, a big guy like they did in uh, the the first movie, and I come in and do his voice, which would be okay with me. Right. Uh, they could turn around and hire me, put me in the costume, which is doubtful. They could hire a, a smaller person, uh, like they did Ed uh, Ed Neal, the fellow who played Zed in the costume for the show. Was only five foot five. No Really. Uh, and the, the suit was made for his size. I'm taller yeah. than Lord Zed. <laughs> yeah, right. A lot of people are, and I'm only five five. five wow. I'm five between five four and five five, and because uh, I had uh, scoliosis, I'm a bit hunched over. Oh, I so see. So I actually lost four inches. I used to be five foot nine.
0: Oh, I see. Uh, well, I mean, aside...
2: anyway, my point is, I'm digressing too much. My point is, uh, at this point, anything goes as far as casting. I've talked to an awful lot of fans who would be very disappointed if I didn't do the voice. Some other voices, Lord said.
0: Two of them sitting right here. Yeah. I, it's yeah. one of those voices like I can't yeah. imagine anyone else doing, like Darth Vader. No one else could ever yeah, do that right. voice. Yeah. You know?
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So here's. Uh, I really hope you uh, get your voice ends up being in that movie.
2: Yeah. So we'll see. It's. Uh, I haven't been contacted or anything like that. My agent hasn't been contacted. They know where to find me. I'm gonna leave the results to God.
0: Well, we're rooting for you. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Now, uh, one project that's, I believe, still in production this year that you're actually going to be portraying Lord Zed, at least the voice of, and again is uh, the independent movie MMPR. Can you tell us anything about that? Oh
2: yeah. Well, I did a trailer, and uh, that's all I've I've heard from them. I haven't heard anything uh, anything else from them. So uh, the trailer has a lot of a lot of uh, I I caught it on uh, on my computer on uh, I guess it was YouTube, and I was very pleased with the trailers and good shooting, good camera work, good editing. So if they do more, uh, I'm sure I'll I'll uh, I'll be in it if they do more and Lord said is standing by there.
0: Yeah, I I've heard but, that uh they have a couple new movies The Zordon of Eltar mm-hmm. Which I believe they're actually getting David Fielding to be in Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, then the, the MMPR Which is supposed to come out sometime this year And I, you're right I've seen some of their past films And the camera work's always really good It always seems to be well written
3: Yeah,
0: I'm very excited to see that Were there any other projects you're currently working on That you would like to talk about?
2: I just finished uh, something called uh, uh, Two True, True Crimes It's a TV series Oh, really? On uh, Discovery Channel. And then they started calling it True Nightmares.
0: Never heard of this.
2: Is this, is this so still in production? I don't know whether it's True Crimes or True Nightmares. It's still in production. The episode is still in production. Uh, supposedly we were doing episode three, and uh, I did two days on on that. It takes place in a, a lot of it takes place, most of it takes place uh, in one of these fancy insane asylums. No, it's not an insane asylum exactly. It's a, it's a recovery... Asylum. Oh, okay. The people who want to get in better shape psychologically, they go to this place, and the lady who runs it uses starvation therapy.
3: Oh wow! To uh,
2: to get the results from the patients, and, uh, and it turns out that it's a scam. Picture Sounds ends. Uh, picture ends with uh, the two lead characters collapsing at the doorway to the entrance to the place. It's a it's a place with a lot of Outdoor grounds and things like that. And, uh, they just shot us. Uh, we did one scene where we're, we're walking around the fountain in the in the yard, and we all smiles and stuff, like we're doing good. And then there's another scene where we're gathered around the fountain, but we're not doing so good, doing so well. I should say. So I don't know. If, I don't know how it happens. But uh, they close down, close the thing down. and the Next thing you can see is the woman and the an angel and get arrested <laughs> <laughs> running a scam place. That's <laughs> how it is. I read the script. So uh, there's a narrator in the script, so thank goodness you know what's going
0: on. Right. Well, I'm about it's to keep an ear to the ground scene. for this. Mm-hmm. You said that's yeah, on two Discovery
2: Two crimes channel. and two nightmares. It's going to be on the Discovery Channel.
0: It sounds familiar. I know I frequent that channel a lot. We'll have to uh, remind our listeners when that comes yeah. out. I'm
2: so. just in the background, so don't don't expect me to be uh, doing anything special. Oh, but I the see. Pay was good, and I wasn't doing anything these last two days, <laughs> uh, Thursday and Friday, so I you know, I went ahead and did it.
0: Hey, money talks, my yeah. friend, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, well, very cool. That's really about all the questions I have. The one all one right. last thing was: uh, Do you have any advice for aspiring screen or voice actors?
2: Get training. Get lots of training. When you find a teacher, look at a teacher who teaches you the hows, not the whats. Uh, There's a lot of teachers out there who teach you what to do. And acting becomes a big mystery because he knows what to do and you don't. But if you get a teacher who teaches the how, how to arrive at a conclusion, how to arrive at a character interpretation, that's the teacher you want to go with.
0: Mm, Good advice. Thanks so much, Robert, for taking the time to do this with us today. And I know you're not feeling well. We really hope you get to feeling better. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, and that was our interview with Robert Axelrod. What would you think, Jack? He was a good guy yeah, was pretty really fun was. Him. Learned so much I, Yeah, So much he said I could not find uh, In doing my research so Maybe I didn't dig deep enough But uh, <laughs> I learned a lot today You can check out Robert uh, on Facebook uh, At Lord Axelrod And on Twitter at Rob27Axelrod He gets out to a lot of conventions So uh, if you're an avid con-goer I'm sure you'll cross paths with him And Jack's going to put something on the website To help direct you guys over to his uh, Facebook page You'll find him Yeah, for sure also, uh, we, we need to start doing shout-outs, it would seem. Yes. It's something that uh, I think we should have been doing the whole time, but we're still fairly new. I know this is, what, episode 80, but <laughs> we're still finding our footwork. So uh, we're going to do our shout-outs now. First, Joshua Werner, who's actually going to be on the show next, next week. week. Yeah, I'm excited to have him on. Uh, it's been just a blessing on Twitter, just mm-hmm. reposting, fo- uh, favoriting stuff, really helping us get our name out there. So I really want to send a big thank you out to him and uh, – say we're excited to have him on the show next week uh next shout out goes out to sal broccoleri uh, artist of soul man that we had on a few weeks back uh his twitter handle is at salveb he's kind of been our uh, social media mentor yeah <laughs> <laughs> we were talking to him we're like we're not doing it right sal and he's really uh put us on the straight and narrow and we're still we're still learning and getting mm-hmm. there but uh Yeah, our social media is becoming more active thanks to him. So thanks, uh, Sal.
1: He's one of the heads of Aces and Ace Press, too.
0: Yes, yes, with Frank Miller. Good stuff coming from those guys. Another shout-out we want to give is to Mike Harwood. Mike's been on the show several times, more toward the beginning of the series, mm-hmm. and uh, we plan on having him back on eventually. It's, it's it's just hard with the limited space, but we're getting a new studio uh, coming up here soon. Oh, so no, our schedule doesn't work
1: with well, us too well
0: either. Yeah, yeah, different schedules <clears throat> conflicting. But, uh, yeah, Mike, we're giving a shout-out to. He's on Instagram at Metal Shroomy Mike and on Twitter at metal shroomy but what he did is uh, he how, maybe you can explain this better than I can
1: he sent a box of goodies to uh, one of the people that he watches on YouTube which we're going to shout out him later you yeah, lo- uh, know Molasses Lofi Molasses yep. yeah so have food reviewers yes and Lofi ended up giving us a, a nice plug on his YouTube channel.
0: So thank you, Mike Harwood, and uh, another thank you to Lofi Molasses. I think we need to make Mike Harwood our official uh, street, team street team president yeah. or something. I mean, he's already doing He's doing a great job. Yeah. So you hear that, Mike? If you're listening, uh, maybe let's let's work something out. You can become our street team leader. All right, any other shout-outs, Jack? That's all we got this week. Uh, what do we have on the website? I'll show recaps, photos, videos, trailers... The Canned Air video game store, movie store, and comic book store. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at canned pod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Uh, Remind everyone to keep an eye out, especially on Instagram. We're going to be uh, doing a contest coming up here. Uh, Within the next few weeks, hopefully, we have an autographed trading card of Zordon signed by David J. Fielding, the actor who portrayed and did the voice for Zordon. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to be raffling that off. So keep an eye on Instagram. We're going to get that set up, uh, learn how to do it first, and then uh, <laughs> execute. So uh, I'm sure we'll mention it on the show again. And uh, our YouTube page. Oh, yes, yes. Check out our YouTube page. We have a un- new unboxing video on there of a uh, TMNT Box. The very first TMNT Box. Yes. Yeah, so uh, we haven't seen an unboxing video out there yet with one of these. So uh, we're going to give it a shot. Hopefully we get some hits. Hopefully you guys like it. We don't even know what's in it yet. As yeah. soon as we're done recording this, we're going to open it. So uh, <laughs> we're just as excited to see what's in it. You as might you have seen the video before you even listened to this episode. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Jack? That's it this week. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Jeremy Collie. And Jack Doherty. Thanks for listening, everyone.
2: Jerry Bill Shipwell speaking to you. I'm giving the Canned Air podcast for this week two wet kisses and uh, shaking a shake in the rear end, as we do. So listen up and listen more.
0: Man, that was another great episode of Canned Air, huh, sure Timmy? It was. Let's go outside. All right. Hey, kids. Oh, my God, who's that? It's Creeper, the worst
1: G.I. Joe character ever made. That's right. I heard you guys were going to go outside. Why don't you stay inside and go to www.candairpodcast.com, where you can get some scoop on past episodes, see movie trailers, and go to the Canned Air game store, video store, and comic book store.
0: Yay! With CandairPodcast.com, we'll never have to go outside again. Now we know.
1: And knowing is half the battle.
3: G.I. Joe!